0: This is probably a passage of scripture, some of you have never read it, and I've certainly never preached it in the way that I'm about to speak about it. The Lord laid something on my heart, and I believe it's for somebody here today. Amen. 2 Kings 9, 16, reading the English Standard Version, it says, Then Jehu mounted his chariot, and went to Jezreel, for Joram lay there. And Ahaziah, king of Judah, had come down to visit Joram. Verse 17 says, Now the watchman was standing on the tower in Jezreel, and he saw the company of Jehu as he came and said, I see a company. And Joram said, Take a horseman and send to meet them, and let him say, Is it peace? Somebody say, Is it peace? Is it peace? Isn't it peace? to listen to the words of J.U. J.U. said, What do you have to do with peace? What, another translation says instead of this word, What do you know about peace? Is it peace? What do you know about peace? Turn around and ride behind me. And the Washington reporter is saying, The messenger reached him, but he is not coming back. Then he sent out a second horse who came to him and said, Thus the king has said, Is it peace? And J.U. answered, What do you have to do with peace? Turn around and ride behind me. And again, the watchman reported, He reached them, but he is not coming back. Somebody say, He's not coming back. He reached him, but he's not coming back. And today I want to preach to you from the topic of switching sides. I'm going to stick with the mic that works. Amen. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, switching sides. You can be seated this morning. God bless you. Do we have any traitors in the building? Amen. Anybody ever switch sides on a topic or on an issue? Uh, I think we've all been there. As as a child, there were many things that I was vehemently against. A lot of things. Uh, chief among them was guacamole. Can I get an amen? (laughs) I think it was because the color was likened to that which cometh out of the nose in the King James Version. Therefore, it stood to reason that guacamole can be nothing but terrible. I'm talking about guacamole conversion today. <laughs> and for a, a large portion of my young life, my mother would beg me, just try it, just try by it, just a little bit. You'll like it. No. I would, I would cry. They would put it on food and I would cry. I never had it. I, I, I thought for sure this was gross. Another among them was blue cheese. I was firmly in the no blue cheese and no guacamole camp. You could not bring that to my table and have a happy kid. But time and circumstance happened to them all. The Bible says. And as much as I hate to admit it, I backslid from my firm convictions. I flipped. Something changed inside of my palate. Something shifted in my taste. Something uh, somewhere I I crossed over an age line that causes you to love guacamole. And blue teeth. I was converted. My mind was changed. Can I get an amen? amen? It was as if the heavens had opened and revealed this heavenly blessing called guacamole. I know somebody's preaching will be today. Yeah. I'm all it. what I once hated, I now loved. What I once despised, I now desired. And it happens with all sorts of things. There are people in this room that drink black coffee. Wait hand minute if you drink black coffee. The only way you like black coffee is you made yourself drink it until you like it. That's the only way. Because it tastes like a burnt tire. But somewhere, you were converted. Does anybody remember that day when you took that sip of black coffee you said, hey, that's not so bad. Something that that people hate that they learn to love. Anybody here love vegetables? How many of you didn't used to love vegetables but now you love vegetables? You were converted somewhere. You had some experience that changed your mind about black coffee or vegetables. Maybe you said you were never going to have kids. That's not for me. Now you got four or five running around your your house is a madhouse because somewhere somebody converted. You switch sides. And don't you love how people don't have kids know how to parent them? Oh, man, I'm not going to go there. They know. They know all the information that you need to know about kids. You need to, uh, you know, that all the facts and the details. Really, you don't need to use that for them. You don't need to use those kind of pacifiers that will you know, lead to them not being able to speak. They know everything until... The, the kids come along, and you've got all kinds of stuff coming at you you never saw coming. Can I get an amen? I'll never be a parent, but they were converted somewhere. I'm talking about conversion today. The great truth of life is that things change. People change. Situations shift. We have the incredible capacity to make the switch, to be won over, to be converted. We've all experienced these conversion moments in our life. When it becomes clear that I was wrong all along. That the thing that I used to resist now, I'm seeking after. I'm reminded of of, of a story from my father's days of pastoring in Gladewater, Texas. They had uh, a lady come to visit their church on one of those wild Sunday night services. And being raised in staunch Baptist, uh, perhaps like some of you, she said, I will never, I will never lay in the floor. And roll around and act a fool like these people do on this Sunday night service. I will never, that will not be me. Famous last words. Because from that moment on, you know what God decided. But I was like, oh, really? sides. Because I believe God has come here today to invite somebody to another side of things. To invite somebody to switch sides. We've been living in resistance to God. But God is saying, why don't you come over on my side? Why don't you come on over and be a part of what I'm doing? Why don't you get behind what my anointing can accomplish? I'm not going to preach before I preach. I'm going to try and hold on. Save this voice for the end. But again, 2 Kings chapter 9, we see several powerful conversion moments. Allow me to step into the story for a few moments today. Because there are a few key characters that we are introduced to as God moves uh, to set things straight among his people. The Bible says that Ahab was the most evil king in all of Israel's history. And what Israel was dealing with was the legacy left by Ahab. Ahab uh, was married to Jezebel, an evil uh, lady who led and pulled the strings in Israel. Scripture says that they were the most evil of the evil. They had led Israel away from God. They killed the prophets and led the people to worship the false god named Baal. And then the Bible says after Ahab died, Jezebel set up her sons as puppet kings in Judah and in Jezreel over Judah and Israel. And so Ahab died and left Jezebel, Joram, and ah- Ahaziah in his place to continue his evil legacy. And so God is determined to deal with this evil that has come among his people. It's gone on long enough, and God decides that he's going to make a difference in Israel. And so enters Elijah, the prophet of God. He is stood against the evil work of Ahab and Jezebel. He has remained faithful to God's will and God's word. He has continually called the people of God to return to God. And in the opening moments of this chapter in 2 Kings 9, Elisha summons a young prophet with instructions. And he sends him to anoint Jehu king of Israel. He tells him, fill your horn with oil and go find Jehu. And when you find Jehu, I want you to deliver him. defeat and destroy And avenge the death of my prophets And Jezebel will be eaten by dogs And not buried And then the young prophet runs out of the door And into the night And disappears I want you to imagine the scene uh, Jehu is uh, Chilling out around the fire With the other commanders They're shooting the breeze Discussing the truth And this wild-eyed young preacher shows up And says, I've got a word for you Jehu says, who, me? Or all of us? And he says, for you. And he takes him to the inner chamber. And before Jehu knows what's happening, he's broken open this vial of oil, and he's pouring it over his head. And he says, you don't know Jehu, but God has anointed you king. And God has anointed you to take care of what has happened in Israel. God has anointed you to set some things right and to restore Israel in a rightful relationship with God. And then he says, You're going to take down Ahab. You're going to take down Jezebel. You're going to take down Joram and Ahaziah. And God is going to bring judgment on the evil that has impacted Israel through you. Yeah, right, right. And then he shuts up and he runs out of the door and disappears into the night. Jehu was anointed by God to deliver from the hand of this evil king who had led Israel far from God. And Jehu walks out of that meeting with a young prophet with a purpose and an anointing all his life. When the other commanders find out, they ask him, what was that about? And, and, and they ask him, and, and Jehu says, well, you know how. Uh, basically, if you read the scripture, he says, you know how young preachers are. <laughs> he says, he can't, he had a word. And they say, no, no, what was the word? What did he tell you? And Jehu finally opens up and admits that he just anointed me king. I want you to understand something. Jehu is standing in front of the commanders of Israel's army. Their job is to protect and defend the nation of Israel. Their service is to the throne. Jehu has just become public enemy number one of Joram and Ahaziah, whom these commanders serve. And Jehu finally opens up and he says, All right, guys, God sent this prophet and told me that he has anointed me king. And when they find out with one voice, the Bible says the commanders cry out, Jehu is king. And they threw their garments before him and bowed their knee. The plans of God could have been thwarted right then. These were commanders of Israel's armies. But something miraculous happens as these men, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, they are changed. They are converted. They were. in the next, they are converted. They have joined Jehu's cause. They have switched sides. They trained in an instant. A plan was conceived moments later to take out King Joram and the king Isaiah uh, 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 who was with Joram in Jezreel. And so the commanders marched as one behind Jehu towards Jezreel. And listen to how the story unfolds. Scripture says that as they approached Jezreel, the watchman's those I don't think, but just imagine the knockings. They're looking with their knockings. The armies are coming. The armies are coming. And Joram sends out a messenger, and he says, "Find out who it is and why they're here." And so the Bible says the messenger jumps on his horse and rides out to Jehu, and he asks him the question we read in our text. The messenger says, "Hey Jehu, is it peace that you come for?" Did you come in peace? Did you come in peace? And Jehu says to him, "What do you have to do with peace? Turn around and ride behind me." And the watchman reported, saying, "The messenger reached him, but he's not coming back." I, I, I just imagine the scene that's happening in the tower as King Joram is pumping and saying, "What are they doing? I can't see, Doc. <laughs> I'm trying to zoom in. What's happening?" He says, Well, I don't know, King, but the messenger went out against Jehu, but he's not coming back. He went out, but he's not coming back. And so he said, Well, what are we supposed to do? How do we know? Whether to defend ourselves or to make a feast for our friends. Send another messenger. And so they tapped the next personal step-servant of the king. And they send him out. You know they're going to find somebody loyal to the king to deliver the message. And so he gives another one of his servants and sends him out. And, and and the Bible says the same thing happens that as he rides to Jehu he says, Jehu, have you come? messages. It sounds like a smart element response when you just read and breathe through it. They say, if you come for peace, he says, what do you know about peace? And it's easy to read that way. But I believe it was a word from heaven. Because the revelation is this, that when you're serving the wrong king, there is no peace. When you're serving the wrong kingdom, there is no peace. You see, these guys have been living on the other side of the lines. They knew what Jehu was talking about. They knew exactly what Jehu was driving at. They knew exactly what he was speaking to. He says, what do you have to do with peace as long as you're linked up with him? What do you know about peace? You see, the history on Joram is that Joram had a violent history towards the prophets of God, towards the people of God. He had fought battles, and even the fact that he was at Jezreel was because he was recovering from the wounds of an unjust battle. And so he was wounded. This servant, both of these servants, had served alongside Joram and saw that there is no peace with this king. There are people in this room that have been living on the wrong side of what God is doing. There are people on the other side that want out. There are people on the other side that are just looking for an open door to a changed and delivered life. There are people on the other side of what God is doing that if they were given the chance, that if they were given the opportunity, That if the door were open, they would change some things about their life. They would rearrange some things about their life. They used to think that church was nonsense. They used to think that preachers uh, were full of hot air. But now they've seen what it's like to live for this week. And they've seen what it's like to live in this camp. And all they're looking for is some way to get on the other side of the battle, on the other side of the issue. Because Life is too short to live on the losing side. Amen. 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 He was looking for peace. He had not known.
1: And Jay, he told him if you
0: want peace, join the cause. Make the switch. Get on God's side for once in your life. Stop resisting what God is doing. Stop carrying messages for the enemy. And start riding with the king that God has anointed. And it only took a moment, and the messenger was converted. Why? Because there is no peace on the other side. They are serving, but their souls aren't satisfied. They are doing the bidding of a king that doesn't care for them, that doesn't give to them, that doesn't love them. And so the watchman is watching from a distance, and he watches it all unfold. And the king asks, what's happening? What's going on? And he says, the messenger reached him, but he's not returning." He came in contact, but he's not coming back. And so, it goes the same with the second message. And so, three times in this chapter, we see somebody switching sides. We see somebody being converted. When they came into contact with the one that God anointed, they didn't resist, they do not fight him, they didn't betray him, but they turned their horses around, and they joined in what God has anointed, and in what God has commissioned. Understand this, Jehu was anointed of God to break the yoke of bondage off of Israel. The messengers were not his enemy. The messengers were not his foe. They were his mission. They weren't his enemy. They were his mission. And so he invited them to make the switch to get on the right side of what God is doing. They were called to transformation, not to condemnation. You see, in our way of thinking about war, we would have killed the messengers so that they couldn't carry it back. But not David. David's anointed from God to restore. He's not a destroyer. From, from the enemy's camp, he looks like a destroyer. But from heaven, he looks like a restorer. And David said, I have nothing. I have no problem with you. I have no issue with you. I'm not against you. I am for you. I've come to deliver you from this evil king that you've been living for. I've come to help you get off the throne of your life. And so
1: enjoy what I'm doing.
0: Amen. They were called a transformation, not condemnation. God's plan was for the people, not against them. And the reason people resist what God is doing is that they don't understand that God's plan is for God's people. God's plan is for God's people. God is not against you. God is for you. Even if you're living on the wrong side of things, God is not against you. God is for you. And we have all found ourselves aligned with things that undermine the will and plan of God in our life. We found ourselves wishing for peace, hoping for change, wondering how things could ever be different. We've allowed some illegitimate kings to sit on the throne of our heart. And we have grown accustomed to the struggle that comes with living for such a king. And so I'm going to tell you today that Jehu was a type of the Holy Ghost. He came to set Israel free from the rulers that they had been led by, compromised by. They had, he had come to set Israel free from the rulers that had led them to this compromised state of broken altars and silent promise. And so, to the enemy's camp, Jehu looked like a destroyer. He looked like the one who came to undo everything that they had done. But from heaven, he looks like a restorer. What the messengers saw, what heaven saw. They accepted the invitation to switch sides, and their hearts were converted. I'm here to tell you today that in order for God to radically and dynamically change his people, first, he has to expose and remove influences that have caused him to resist his plan. First, Jehu has to depose the king. First, Jehu has to take him off of the throne. I know this is a different message. I, I struggle. all this. I said, Lord, it's something easier to preach. But <laughs> well, I want you to see a picture of Jesus in Jehu. You see, Jesus was so similar. This is why he challenged the Pharisees. This is why he cast out the money changers. This is why he healed on the Sabbath. This is why to the religious establishment of Jerusalem, he looked like one who had come to tear down and to destroy. When in reality, he had come and set the captive free. This is what the anointing looks like DAND Because the anointing comes to destroy the yoke of bondage. And so the Bible says, when Joram Jehu- hears, he turns to flee. And Jehu pulls back the bone, and he smites Joram between the shoulders. And Hazai gets smitten too, and he runs off and dies in another town. And the Bible says that Jehu continues his march to Jezebel in Jerusalem. And when he rides him, the Bible says Jezebel paints her eyes up all. She's going to seduce him. She's going to she's going to battle pretty lies, and she's going to convince him that we're good, it's okay, we can have peace. And the Bible says, when Jehu rides in town, she dabs herself, perched up in the tower in the window, and she looks down at the gates of the city, and she says, Jehu is in peace, as sweet as she can possibly say. And I love this. Jehu doesn't even respond to her. I don't say anything back to her. Hey, don't worry, I'm not going to preach this long, y'all can get ready. I feel sorry for the place you figure out what to say. I <laughs> hey, want you to hang on because we're going to turn the corner here in just a second. Jezebel asked Jane, Is it peace? And Jay, he knows, he knows somebody is there with her that has been <laughs> serving her yeah. that doesn't want to live that way anymore. They've witnessed the treachery of Jezebel. They know what she's all about. And Jezebel, call, or J, who calls out, doesn't even respond to Jezebel. And he says, is there anybody that's with me? Is there anybody in there that's on my side? If so, cast her. The Bible says that three or four eunuchs who have been serving in the house of Jezebel, likely their entire lives, have been found as slaves to Jezebel, stuck their head out the window. And when they saw Jehu and the armies of Israel, when they saw what the anointing could accomplish, when they saw what the anointing could do, the Bible says they grabbed Jezebel, and they choked out the lady out the window, and the Bible says she falls to the ground, and she dies there, and the dogs come and consume Jezebel there. I want you to notice something, that not one of these people whose twin sides fought back. Not one of these people... Picked up the sword. All they had to do was switch sides, and the anointing of God would take care of the issues. You see, I've come to preach to somebody today that it's not about what you can do. It's not about your ability to get out of this yourself. I've come and to preach someone to the point of conversion. That if you're tired of living for the king that you've been living for, all you've got to do is make the switch. All you've got to do is open your heart and say, Lord, I'm so tired of the way that I've been living. I'm tired. I'm here to preach to somebody today that we have an invitation. There is an open invitation. Even if you've been living on the wrong side. Even if you've been living to your own desires, to your own ways, to your own will, there is an open invitation in this place today. I want the Toby to come play softly. I'm going to wrap this up. The Bible says that there are only really two approaches to God. There are really only two. In the book of Genesis, we see it in the garden of Eden. The Bible says God plants Adam Eve in the garden. And he plants two trees there. Somebody say two trees. He plants two trees there. In the midst of the garden, he planted a tree of life. It was designed by God to give life to all who would eat. Adam and Eve every day could make their way to the tree of life and they could find eternal life there, immortality there. It provided for the needs, every need that they had it was found in that tree of life. But also in the midst of the garden, God said, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Bible says it was that tree that God said, You shall not eat of it for the day that you Tree gives life, the other tree brings death. The Bible says Eve finds herself standing at the tree one day with a decision to make. And Satan, you know, he's not the king in this story. I know you've been thinking all along about preaching about Satan being the king, he's not the king. Eve is standing there. He's an influence, but he's not the king. And Satan convinces Eve. The way to get what you need and the way to get what you want is not in the tree of life. God knows that in the day you eat this fruit from this tree of knowledge of good and evil. Somebody's going to sit there. But when we tell God and begin to say to God, God, I know what I need. I know what I need to do. I can handle this, God. I can fix this marriage. God, I, I can fix my children. Just have a seat we'll play in just a moment. I can fix it. In fact, I want everybody to stand with me. I'm getting ready. We're getting ready to have want to call you in just a moment. to believe the lie that it's in me. It's in me. The Bible says in the day that we eat of that fruit of knowledge and good evil, I know what I need to do. I need to go to church more. I need to do this and I need to do it. That's not how conversion works. Somebody hear That's not how sweet-teasides works. Let me tell you how sweet-teasides works is when you come into contact with the anointed one. When you finally meet the Anointed One, you realize that everything that you have need of is in Him. It's not me. It's in You. It's in You. It's in You. I can't do it. That's what conversion looks like. Conversion is it, Lord? I will pray and I will do and I will live and I will never this again and I will never die again. You tried that and it failed and you found. that But if you can ever say, when you read the Anointed One, it's all in Him. And so I will trust and follow Him. It's not about my plan. It's not about my strength. It's not about my ability. But I will trust and follow Him. All the messengers have to do. Which trust Gay Him. He will cleanse our hearts. He will be the king of our hearts. And so I've come to preach to somebody today. The invitation is open. It's open. The invitation is wide open. And if you have been living from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and you are hurting inside of preaching to people who've been to church, and you've been trying your own way, Be converted! Jesus said this, he said the Spirit of God is upon me. And he has anointed me to put liberty to the captive. He's anointed me to set loose the captain. I'm coming to preach to somebody today that your answer is not in your ability. It's in Jesus. He's anointed for your problem. He's anointed for your trouble. He's anointed for your family. He's anointed for your Freedom. He's anointed for your healing. He's anointed. He shed his blood so that we can receive life and healing. And so today, I invite you to come eat from the tree of life. It's in Him. It has everything that I need. It has everything that I want. But my heart must be converted. Come on, would you close your eyes and bow your heads? I don't want to open these altars. But somebody walk down here and say, "You know what, God? I'm tired of your king." I'm taking him out today, God. I'm casting it down today. I'm switching sides. I'm making a change in my heart. I'm making a change in my life. God, I'm not living the way that I used to live. I repent of my sins. God, I don't want to live for that anymore. But God, I'm giving you my soul. I'm giving you my heart. I'm giving you my spirit. I I will trust and follow after you. I will trust and follow after you. I will trust and follow after you.